This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash be here now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash be here now. Hi, everyone. This is Chris Grasso with the Indie Spirituals Podcast on the MindPod Network. And my guest today is my dear friend and a very sassy lady, Miss Betsy Chassie. Hi, Betsy. Hi. So I'm going to read your bio really quick before we jump into this. What does it say? Awesome, awesome mom. mom. So that's my bio. There. All right. You just saved me a lot of time and breath. But I'm going to read it anyway. So Betsy Chassie is an internationally known filmmaker and author, most notable and smoker, and smoker. <laughs> most notable as the co-writer, director and producer of What the Bleep Do We Know, uh, which is a smash hit. And if you don't know it, then you should know it. Check it out. We'll talk we about that. Shitting here. All right. All right. Shit them into it. But they but they should. You're right. All right. <laughs> That's an appropriate use of the word should. I like to guilt people. What can I say? <laughs> so in 2014, she produced the acclaimed uh, film Song of the New Earth, which premiered at the Seattle International Film Festival. Betsy has authored four books, including What the Bleep Do We Know? Discovering the Endless Possibilities to Altering Your Everyday Reality. And you could in- use a shorter title. <laughs> <laughs> well, it gets the point across. You know what you're getting into, which is right. great. Uh, and in 2014, a book that I really, really loved, Tipping Sacred Cows, tremendous book. Um, yeah. And then you recently released your latest book, which we're going to talk about later on. It came out of my vagina. Now what? <laughs> a hilarious book on parenting written with co-author Debbie Specter wiseman And you are also in production right now on a new featured documentary, Leap, which explores the world of coaching, life, relationship, business, and executive to be released either late 2016, early 2017. I just saw the trailer that launched yesterday for it. Looks awesome. It was nice to see uh, our mutual friend Marcy Shimoff in there amongst who else? Jack Canfield and Jack Canfield, Marshall Goldsmith, Mark Thompson. And then, you know, a lot of really amazing, I mean, they're kind of our experts and then we have some amazing coaches um, in the film and it's, it's, it's an interesting journey, that one. I mean, they all are always interesting journeys, as you know, whenever you embark on expressing something creatively, how it comes out is always the fun journey part. That it is. And yeah, so we will talk more about that because I remember you were doing a bit of skydiving during the filming of that. And uh, I did everything. (laughs) I, I just to give a little brief overview yeah, of it. Sure. Um, basically, I follow five people 
through their process of being coached um, to transform their lives or their business or whatever they're working on. And so one of the, uh, it's really told from this perspective of the client. So it's a story about these five people and their journeys. And one of the deals that I made with them was these people for the most part hadn't really experienced coaching and they are kind of wildly unique people and their situations are very, very, very interesting. Um, But I promised them that whatever, if they had to do something that I would do it with them, <laughs> not knowing at the time that one of my clients might jump out of a plane because I'm afraid of heights. Yeah, you and me both. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, and I'm sitting and I'm riding up at that worst part of jumping out of a plane. I, I highly suggest you do it, by the way. No, I think everyone <laughs> just go for it. The worst part, by the way, is the plane ride up. Oh, I can imagine. Sure. It's not even the falling out of the friggin' plane because that happens so fast. And the coolest thing that happens is that if you ever want to have an experience of your brain not being able to actually process anything for like 15, 20 seconds, just being complete, utter, unknown, blank space, jump out of a plane. Because for the first 10 seconds, your brain has no data. Mm. Like normally we're so good at like pulling up data and filling in, filling in, filling in. Your brain has no data because it's like doesn't even know what to do with the fact that you're literally falling out of a plane. <laughs> so it's cool, and then you know you float down. But the the plane the plane ride up is where you get to really if you if you, when you really want to see what you do to yourself in terms of the thoughts that you put into your head. It's that fifteen minutes up. Well, I'm gonna have to live that one vicariously through you <laughs> because I am very scared of. Heights. I, I can't do rides. I can't do. All right. I did do a roller coaster once and this was many years ago and I was drunk getting onto <laughs> it and even being drunk getting onto it. Like once we got about 10 seconds into it, I remember, you know, white knuckling it. I had to shut my eyes and like just crying, like not crying, but like screaming like a little kid. Like that's what you're supposed to do. I, I hate riding on roller coasters. I do it because I have small children and they force me to because they're mean that way. Um, but you you do. I I totally get nauseous and sick. I can't believe you did it drunk, though. Oh, That's my God. A, well, I say that. Well, obviously, I'm in recovery today. I don't drink anymore. This, this was many years ago. But the only way I would have gotten on it was the fact that I was inebriated. And, and what made me think of it. What's that? I'm surprised you didn't vomit and, like, just lose your cookies. Uh, I could hold my, my liquor. No Ugh. problem at that point. I, I, I practically vomit, and I'm not even drunk when I'm going. <laughs> so, I don't, I don't. Well, what made me think of it, though, was the um, the ascent in the beginning. Like you're saying, going up in the plane, this is obviously a much, much smaller version, but the very slow climb, and it's like, oh, Christ, what did I get myself into? Yeah. It was horrible. Like, yeah. the, you know, the, uh, the, the liquid courage I had standing in line was gone. As soon as we yeah. started going up, I'm like, oh, I can't believe I did this. And yeah, we were off. But so. you know what's cool about we're talking about these crazy experiences? is that, you know, you and I are both all about personal transformation and like real personal transformation. And sometimes what happened for me when I wrote, when I did the plane jump was that it wasn't philosophy anymore. Mm. Like I had a real live opportunity to observe myself in a really frightening situation to, to, have this, I, I had this sort of almost outside perspective of watching what, you know, my brain's telling me, you know, you're going to die, this plane's going to crash, all the, the fear and doubt. And then for me to be able to say to that fear and doubt, 
look, I really hear you. And, you know, a lot of what you're saying is absolutely possible. I can't promise that none of that's going to happen. But you know what? You're not helping me here. So I think I'm just going to say thank you to you. And I'm going to listen to this other side of my brain that says, you know what? This is your, this is awesome. You're going to have one of the most amazing experiences of your life, you know, because at any moment as you're going up into the plane, you can turn to the, it was a tandem jump. Mm. Now, unlike a roller coaster where you're on, you're on, you know, <laughs> and I could have turned to the guy and said, you know what? I don't want to do this. And they, of course they're not going to force me to get out of the plane, right. but having the, the willingness to see all the different aspects of what your brain can do to talk you out of doing something was really powerful for me. It was a really powerful experience because it wasn't philosophy anymore. It wasn't some guru on the stage talking about all this stuff. It wasn't me or you. It was real. And it, when I landed, I felt so amazing, but I also had a new awareness about my own thought monsters. Mm. Wow. Yeah. And, and that is a good point. You know, it's really, it's, it's you in, in that moment. And, and it is easy uh, to sit there and listen and to read books and to do this and that. And not that those things aren't valuable in their own right, because they, they are. sure are. <laughs> yes. And buy our books, please. Yeah. Betsy and, and Chris, buy our books. Buy our books. <laughs> but you're right. When you really, you know, are there and you have to put your money where your mouth is and it's, it's just you doing what you've got to do. You know, that's, that's wow, where the rubber and meets doing the road. work and then being willing to do that work. Yeah. Because that's what you and I always talk about doing. Yeah. And I think, you know, you to me, sometimes when I'll say, oh, my God, I would never do that. It's like a red flag in my head to go, OK, why wouldn't you do that? What is really what is it that's stopping you from doing that? Yeah. You know, and to really and for me, a part of doing the work, hopefully in the future, it won't require me leaping out of perfectly good airplanes. but. <laughs> The idea is that that's an opportunity for me to go, well, there's a, there's a, oh, an experience. There's a learning that I could have sure. because I'm putting up a resistance against something. And if I'm really, truly interested in growing up and expanding my mind or my consciousness or my heart or whatever we're supposed to be expanding, um, then that's the, that is the place I should be going to directly to that field. Mm. Well, saying, all right, let's play. Let's let's you and I are going to. I uh, I again I defer to I'm I'm I think it's wonderful you did it. I'm just going to live <laughs> vicariously through. There are some. I'm with you on that. Talk you into it, huh? Uh, I'm with you. I'm with you. No, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to do it. I I I hear what you're saying, and in most cases, I t I agree with you. I do agree with you. It's not that I don't, but man, there's just something about heights. I uh, I when I. I was at a Wanderlust festival a couple of years ago and just riding the gondola up to the top of the mountain, even that scared the shit out of me. me However, too. after I did it once, I will say I, I did it like five, six more times and I loved it after that. But the first right. time I was holding on to the sides, like, oh. and you would do the same thing with jumping out of a plane. You don't have to, but I'm just letting you know that. I, I mean, you would like, I think that once we face our fear and we mm. walk, I, and I don't say, I, I don't know if you say walk through the fear. There's so many ways to describe it. But I would say that once I'm really willing to, to face what I'm afraid of, yeah. to have an authentic, real conversation about it, that it it doesn't always go away completely because I since then I went to Disneyland with my kids and I rode on a roller coaster and there was, you know, I still was nervous. But what was interesting was that I had the tools in my toolbox to deal with it better. Hmm. To, and so that's what I'm you know, interested in is, is, is understanding 
how I can create the life that I want. And a big chunk of that for most of us is moving, dealing with our fear. Because that's what ultimately stops us anyway, hands down. What stops us from doing anything is fear. Yes, you're right. Uh, I, you know, I, for some reason, I'm, I'm thinking about earlier, uh, not, I was going to say this year, we're in 2016 now, earlier last year, I was down in Mexico, JP Sears, who I know you're going to be having on your show soon. And I were, uh, doing a workshop down there with a, another friend who booked it. And on one of our days, we went out with a group into the Mayan Mexican jungle and we're, we're going up and next thing you know, I'm putting on a harness to go zip lining. Mm. And for, you know, for me in Heights, that's terrifying, let alone in the, the Mexican jungle, you know, with, with right. just these, it was like a little village. And, but I like, I, interestingly enough, didn't allow my thought process to go in that direction of fear, which it normally would. And I just did it. And I'm not going to say I had a great time because it was very high and I was nervous. And, but what was nice, it was the, all right. So I did one and then there was a second one on the path. It was even higher and longer. Right. I did them. I went down in some caves and went swimming and it, and I was really glad that I did that. We then went to another village later and there was a zip line, like a monster zip line, but there's no way I was doing it. Like I had accomplished my goal. It wasn't even a goal. I didn't know we were going to do it that day, but I did it. And I allowed my head to go in that direction of fear and it, it swept right in and it's like, you're done. You're not doing any more. <laughs> so fast. It's so it is. fast. And you know, it's a beautiful example because the time, the, the time that you did it, you did have fun. Yes. You have a whole new experience. And then and you still, and you go back to this other place and it's so easy to observe that that's what we do to ourselves. Not even when we're forced to be jumping out of a plane or doing a crazy zip line. We do it like every day in, in so many smaller aspects of our lives. Right, right. You know, like for instance, you know, for me, we're doing this video this morning, you know, I was like, oh, I'm a little tired today. I've got friends in from out of town and we kind of stayed up late last night and I'm a little tired and I'm not looking so great. And, oh my God, if I do this, then it'll be perceived. And it's like, you know, and, and that's, my nails are a disaster. I'm going to get a Manny Petty <laughs> after the show, by the way. Um, but um, it's just for me, I think, and this thing is making me crazy, whatever it is. It's that hook that you're supposed to hook your thingy on, on the hanger. It's like, I'm just going to yank it out. There we go. There you go. Uh, that's he's slowly undressing it throughout <laughs> this entire interview. Uh, you know, that's the work, is really becoming aware and present to the thought process in your head that stop you from doing whatever it is you want to do in your life. Mm. And, and the zipline experience, the airplane experience to me is a really great practical tool that you can use to say, okay, it's time for me to do something that I've said I won't do because I want to get the experience of what it feels like to walk through that fear. Yeah. Well, let's talk about then before we got to this place where we can recognize that that's what's happening. I want to go back with you, Betsy, and let's talk about younger Betsy Chassie before even you're on the spiritual path, Betsy. Let's talk about your earlier years. And and for, for you know, the audience that's not familiar with your life and your life's work, um, you can you can start from wherever you want, whether childhood, young adult, I leave that up to you, but maybe talk a little bit about your earlier years and what led you into this path of, I don't know, awareness, spirituality, whatever you care to call it. So a lot of people always ask me, you know, where, when did I get on the spiritual path? Yeah. And my answer is the moment I came out of the vagina. Okay. Um, because I think 
that this reality is a playground of experience hmm. and that I wanted to come here to experience the emotions, the feelings, the, the, basically the feelings, you know, what did that feel like? What does it feel like to be afraid? What does it feel like to not be afraid? And to, um, so that everything that I have done since the moment I was born is a part of that journey. Now, when did I become aware that I was uh, that this was that, that this was an experiential journey, that this, this is the plane of experience. Mm. You know, I, I honestly say that when I was younger, I had a really interesting, my dad used to um, be a music director for a bunch of different churches, like a Catholic church, a Methodist church, um, a Baptist church. Uh, we did a couple of He did a couple of synagogues every once in a while and I would go with him a lot. And I was always really baffled. And what, and I remember asking him when I was like eight or nine years old, okay, I'm really confused because we keep going to all these different places where there are different religions, but essentially at their core, they're all saying the exact same thing. Why do we have all the separation? Mm. And my dad looked at me and said, you know, that's a really great question. Maybe you'll answer it one day. And then I sort of was, you know, had an experience at a Catholic church where basically, you know, I was told any negative thought that you have means you're a sinner and you're going to rot in hell. Sweet. And, you know, at that point, I think I was really pissed at my sister or somebody for something. And I had some negative thought and I was convinced at this point I'm screwed. I'm going to hell. And so I decided since I'm already going to hell, I'm not even going to try and I'm just going to be a wild girl for a while. And, you know, I and, and I walked away from religion. And I, I wanted nothing to do with it, you know, and it wasn't until, um, you know, it's oddly enough, I did landmark when I was like 20 because I was working for a company that wanted us to do the landmark forum. I don't know what they call it now, but it was landmark forum back then. It keeps changing names. Um, and that kind of taught me a lot about, I think the more practical being aware of your thoughts, being aware of how you operate in the world, how you're being perceived, how are you landing? And then it, what it happened is that I got hired to make the belief and I hadn't even spelled quantum physics. Like I'd never done any of that. I just got, you know, Mark Vicente, he was the other one of the other directors on the film. They had been tooling around with a project called sacred science for like a year yeah. and they hadn't gotten anywhere. And they, Mark said, we need to get Betsy in here because Betsy is a doer and she'll make, she'll make the movie. I came on board and basically blew up the movie that they were going to make and went on this journey to make, you know, what the bleep. And that is where I understood how to probably explain my awareness. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, is that no. a long answer to nothing? No, actually <laughs> I, I do appreciate that. And I followed you right along with it. Um, I like that you, you had that early realization that there was, you know, such similarities amongst the wisdom traditions, you know, the various religions and, uh, it, you know, we're all here. The thing that I've come to in my own life is that there's this weird, this, uh, I don't, they always say it's unknown whoever said it and it's, I'm going to mess it up, but there's this quote that basically says, you know, everybody that you encounter is going through something. Mm -hmm. And what I've really taken that to mean is that like, if you look around for a second, just at what is going on, fucking crazy talk what we've created. Like it's <laughs> insanity 
you know, we have cars, we have homes, we have all the stuff we have to pay for. We got to look a certain way. I mean, it's friggin' hard to be human. It fucking is, excuse my mouth, <laughs> hard. And I'm starting in my old age <laughs> to really look at people and go, God, I know it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. It is fucking hard. But you know what? It's all going to be okay. Yeah. I think I I know it's been attributed to Plato and then I've heard someone before him, but that are you referencing like the be kind because everyone you know is fighting a tough battle. Right. Beautiful right. sentiment. Beautiful sentiment. And, and I mean easier said than done, of course, but uh really like I you know, I've I've contemplated that one quite a bit. And when you think about it and you bring that awareness into say you're checking out at a at a grocery store, you know, you're you're doing right. your groceries and the clerk's a little bit miserable what are you going to do? Be miserable back or, you know, maybe send a little kindness their way because who knows what's going on at home. Maybe they're one of their parents is dying. Maybe they were just dumped. Maybe their dog is sick. Like, right. Who knows? And, I, and you know, what's interesting. I can say in my life, I haven't always been kind. Sure. I have been a huge asshole. You and me both. I was probably a huge asshole yesterday. <laughs> I might've been an asshole 15 minutes ago. I don't even know. <laughs> No, I do know. I try now. The only thing that, and so I, I, you know, I have a lot of forgiveness for my adolescent behavior all the way up until when I was way out of my adolescence. Um, but you know, the biggest piece for me is that when I was able to, and this piece didn't come to me until a few years ago, when I was able to stop taking everything in this life so seriously, When, you know, you can look back and I think this probably comes a little bit with age is when you can look back on your life and go, wow, I was a huge asshole and I learned something from it or wow, that was a really painful experience and I'm still here. I'm still here. I'm still here. I'm still alive. Or maybe I'm not living in a mansion and driving the fancy car or maybe I'm doing not having the things that I think that I need to have, but I'm still here. You begin to not take it so seriously anymore. You begin to look at it from this perspective of, okay, I now have to deal with illness or loss or stress around work. And I can do that and I'm going to be okay. Mm. And, I, and so it makes you a little calmer and it makes you a little bit more willing to breathe through it and to go, okay, I don't have to panic right now and shut down and freak out because – it's, I mean, it's, it's, as far as I know, in the next two seconds, a meteor could hit my house and my head. This and is I, true. It's all over. Yeah. So being able to just realize that like whatever I'm going through today, you're going through the same thing. I just want people, my, I, my whole mission in life, why I do everything that I do, every movie, every book since the bleep. And I realized this is, this has actually always been my mission. I didn't know how to define it was that I just want to be able to look at you and just say, you know what? It's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. You're going to make it through this. It's all okay. Yeah. That's a beautiful sentiment. I actually wrote something similar to that in my last book where even with people like it was the Westboro Baptist church at that time, I was writing that piece cause they were, you know, doing one of their ridiculous things or, you know, uh, racists, homophobes, um, you know, fucking ISIS, whoever the case may be, these people, their actions are inexcusable. Don't get me wrong. However, 
what I think about is I think deeper than what they're doing on the surface. And I try to really put myself in their shoes and think about at night when they go to bed and it is just them in that bed, the fear that they must live with, the absolute, just what's going on inside of you to live a life like that, how terrible that must be. And so of course I hate their actions, you know, like I think they're terrible, but the person themselves, like I am left with this desire and I know this will sound super corny but really to hug them and just like you said though it's okay it's going to be okay like right so again not to excuse them and their actions you you don't even have to qualify that statement I think I think sometimes lately we always have to qualify some of these statements they're bad but and so it's funny I last night when I was hanging out with my friends I said you know what enlightenment is enlightenment is when you can see Donald Trump as a gift (laughs) yeah well, it makes me think of when Ram Das talks about he used to put, I don't remember the politician, but right on his puja table next to Maharaji and Christ and whomever. Absolutely. It's and not that's easy. Hard. That's the worst thing because you're right. We don't like what they're doing. But, you know, I look at the whole situation of what's going on in the United States and I, you know, I, I can look at the situation and take my responsibility as a part of it. Like this type of thing. I get... I get a little frustrated when I hear people say us and them, Mm. this whole, like, look what they're doing Mm. or look what, you know, they're not awake or they're doing this. And I realized that, you know, first of all, I'm a participant in this, you know, I can't, you know, I'm wearing clothes, I'm eating food, I'm in a house, I'm playing the game. Mm. You know, I can try to buy all organic, locally grown, I can really do the best that I can there. But at the end of the day, I'm playing this game. And so I have to be responsible for it. And so when you, for me, when I started to do that in my life, when I started to go like, okay, I'm responsible. It doesn't, for a while I felt really shitty and guilty. And then I realized that it was empowering because I no longer could say, oh, I did this because of you or this happened because of that. I had to go, oh, I'm responsible. And I was able to do it and I'm still able to do without diminishing myself and saying, oh, well, I'm a bad person because I could say, you know, I'm responsible for that. How can I adjust my life so that I don't participate in that anymore? Or how do I operate in the world in a way in which I don't have to exhibit that behavior anymore? Mm. And it, it doesn't make me bad. It just makes me, I keep learning. I keep realizing day in and day out, oh, you know what? I'm, I was calling that other person passive aggressive. How am I being passive aggressive? And, you know, it's, it's a very slippery slope when you start to do this because it doesn't mean that the other person isn't being passive aggressive and they're not being an asshole. They can be being their asshole passive aggressive self and you can hold them accountable for that. Right. But what I realized is that I want to hold myself accountable as well. Yes, absolutely. And very well said. I couldn't agree more. It is really, uh, what, how do they say, cleaning up your side of the street, something to that effect, like really, you know, doing what you need to do to be aware of your actions in the world. And, and what I've learned through, you know, years of (laughs) trial and error and practice is when you do get to that place, like you said earlier, you know, I, I still have asshole tendencies. I recognize that. Like when I'm in grocery stores, that's like my, my kryptonite, you know, it's very easy for me to like, I can talk all day about non-duality and oneness, but you put me in a grocery store and like people are bumping me and, ah, but I like through practice, luckily it helps 
me at least and many others, I'm sure, like stop living from such a reactionary place and start to own our our stuff, you know, in in that. Because you're right, like we're there too. We're a part of that, whatever the situation may be. So you do the best you can each day, right? You show up and do what you can do. That's really the thing. And get forgiving. You know, I, I have a big issue with forgiveness as a concept because I think a lot of times it's it's pushed upon people. Sure, sure. It's a should. You should forgive them. Yeah. And in and that's actually correct. Like forgiveness is a really powerful thing, right? Yeah. But forgiveness is only powerful if it's if it's authentic. Yes. And you have to you don't get to forgiveness by going, oh, you know, that person punched me in the face. And like I have this, I, I write about this in my book, you know, my, um, I used to make my kids be like, what you punched the other, you know, you punched him. Now you have to say you're sorry. And then my daughter would walk over, I'm sorry. And then my daughter, my son would say, it's okay. And I realized like, this is totally fucked up. Like well, I'm just totally programming a bullshit reality in which they do whatever the fuck they want to do. They say they're sorry. And then the other person absolves them and says, oh, it's okay. Right. And so I, I really began to look into well, what is really, what is forgiveness and, and what, and when is it useful? And what I realized is that forgiveness is really key. You have to do it for yourself. Right. Because a piece of, when you can forgive, you learn how to set boundaries. Yeah. You know, you don't just forgive and go and they go, oh, it's okay. Then they get to come and punch you again. It's right. I forgive you. Because I accept and I can look at, at you with empathy and realize where that behavior came from. And my new boundary is you don't get to do it again. Yeah. And, and, and when I can do that, I can also forgive myself because I can say, well, okay, what was my part? Not in a way that says it's not like it's saying, you know, they always say to people, why do you blame a person who was abused? It's not their fault they were hit. And you're like, you're right. It wasn't their fault that they were hit. I'm not trying to place blame, but it's also important for me to be able to look at and go, what did I do to put myself into that situation? And how can I avoid it again? Right. Important. Um, and I love what you're saying about forgiveness. I wish I knew exactly how he worded it, but there's a wonderful writer named Jeff Brown and he talks about that too. You know, Jeff's work. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Jeff's great. So and he and again he he words in a certain way which I apologize I can't think of but he talks at at you know for it says the same thing forgiveness is great but you know premature forgiveness where you're just forgiving for the sake of forgiving what good does that do it makes me think of um, for example like a, a priest who takes on celibacy well before they're ready to do that and then you look at what happens as a result not all the time but there's no shortage of of cases with children and whatnot. And I, and I'm not just singling out Catholicism because I'm sure it's happened elsewhere, but just as an example, you take something on before you're ready to do it. You forgive someone before you've really forgiven them. It doesn't work. It doesn't do anyone any good. So. Right. And that's the thing because what happens is it's not authentic. Right. You have to live. I came to the realization and I'm, it's, it's a bit part of what I've been doing, dealing with recently in my own self is I have to live myself and I have to come to, there's another big spiritual sacred cow, love yourself unconditionally. <laughs> and um, what happens is that for a long time, I didn't love myself because I'm a smoker. I'm all the wrong things to be spiritual or to be a mom or to be like, I can find all the, you know, I'm not very feminine because I'm powerful and I'm loud and I'm not very, you know, spiritual because I smoke and eat red meat and you know I can I judged a lot of myself 
Um, and so then I wasn't being my authentic self because then I would try to hide these things or pretend to be a certain way just so that I could feel accepted. And it wasn't until I finally realized, you know what, this is who I am. I want to be authentic to myself. I want to be impeccable with my heart because if I'm being authentic and impeccable, then I'm also aware of my behavior. So I'm probably being less of an asshole. Mm, right. And I can, I can go to bed at the end of the day, truly loving myself because I showed up honestly. Right. Right. And so it's the, what happens a lot of the time with a lot of these concepts, the new age, new thought, personal growth, whatever you want to call it concepts is that they become really oversimplified. There's always three easy steps to something. (laughs) You know, there's like three easy steps to enlightenment, three easy steps to forgiveness. Here, how to forgive your, you know, ex-husbands who've cheated on you for 25 years in five easy steps. You know, it's like what it comes down to is the reason that we're here, why this entire journey from the moment you arrive on this in on this plane is a spiritual journey is because this is your opportunity to learn about yourself. In my in Tipping Sacred Cows, I spent an entire chapter breaking down the etymology and de- definition of the word enlightenment. Mm. And essentially, we're here to attain enlightenment, right? Sure, yeah. And what a, a, the basic, true, clearest, cleanest definition of what enlightenment is, is to know thyself. So... That's why this whole journey is a spiritual journey because you're whole, from the moment you arrive, you're trying to learn who you are. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I like that. Know thyself. And, and that is what all the great wisdom traditions point us back to, you know, whether it is Buddhism, Buddhism, excuse me, or Hinduism or Judaism, right. you know, they have their own languages and teachings, but it all comes right back inside and recognizing your true self, capital S self again, but we need to have that experience ourselves. And this is part of that experience of awakening the path. You know, here we right are, here we are. It's all happening right now in this moment. So right. know yourself now in the good, the bad, the ugly, smoking, eating red meat, whatever it may be, you know? I'm gonna smoke, damn it. <laughs> well, let me so good. So while you're doing that, uh, there were two things I wanted to to definitely talk to you about before this was over. Uh, the we're going to get to your new book in a minute, but before we do that, I want to talk about something I'm sure you're not sick of talking about at all, but I really thought it'd be interesting to revisit this because let's talk about what the bleep briefly, ah. but, but what I want to do is because we're a little over 10 years now, what I want to ask you is let's not talk about the movie per se, but rather in retrospect, 10 years after it's happened, what do you... Is there anything – I'm thinking of a conversation you and I actually had a while back, and you and you and I don't remember how you worded it, but you said something like you felt like you guys might have overstretched in certain areas or taken some liberties and things of that nature. That's So that's the direction I'm going. Like 10 years later now after the fact or 11 years, however long it's been, what are, what are your thoughts looking back on that? Well, first of all, I can say with a clear heart that I have no regrets about yeah, yeah. anything. Yeah. Um, I can look back now and realize that there might have been places where we got things wrong or that weren't quite read. That it's ironic, like a lot of the Masurimoto work has never can't be replicated. Like yeah. nobody's ever been able to replicate it. And yet he just took off like wildfire. 
what I can say about that now is while I can say that, yes, his experiences probably weren't accurate or weren't sound or whatever the people want to say, I can say that it, science has also come a long way and is now beginning to uh, prove that how we think affects our lives, how we think impacts our reality. Um, and I think the biggest thing that I've come away with learning was a little bit more Again, I always talk about this. It's, it's like people ran away with the bleep going, I create my reality. And so they ran with that. And, <laughs> and that's great, yeah. but there's nuances to a lot of this stuff. And I think sometimes in a movie you can't always make the nuances clear. And what I'm realizing about that big sacred cow of I create my realities is I do create my reality. What I, but not literally, like I bought this chair. You know, Everything that's in your house is a physical mass thing that that is neutral until you create the reality upon it Mm. which means it's your perception you're creating so you and I can look at the same red chair and I will have a reality about it and so will you but the red chair is still the red chair and it's still there and so that was a big thing for me because it goes back to what I was talking about earlier about personal responsibility you know, I, there is humans are a meaning attaching machines. That's all we do is we attach meaning to everything. And so what I realized was that with the bleep, a lot of people basically started thinking that they could just create, you know, mass reality Mercedes out of their ass if they meditated long enough because they were mass producers. And the truth is we are, but in a more physical way. But when I came to the nuance that I'm experiencing reality based on my beliefs and perceptions, that was even more important. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm totally following you. Yep. And so that was, to me, I think the biggest thing that came out of the bleep 10 years later um, was that realization, you know? Well, I, yes. And I, you know, I, I do want to say, I think it was a very, and continues to be an important film. It, you know, it really opened a lot of doors and sparked a lot of great conversations. Um, and I think the world is certainly a better place for having it in here, you know? Me too. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. And, and. Uh, and it's interesting to see 10 years later, you know, how things have come along. I remember the first time I saw it, I was in college many years ago and it was like about 30 of us in class in this crazy professor who I'm still friends with today. She's an amazing woman, a dear friend of mine, but she's the one who actually set me on the spiritual path. Um, but she showed it to our class. I don't remember which class it was. But by the time the film was over, I was one of two students left. Everyone had gotten up and walked out there and they just, they couldn't hang with it. It was, they weren't into it. But, you know, all these years later, it's, uh, I think it still is an important film. And and I love that, you know, you. I was just going to say, I think it is an important film because, you know, it's the first real movie to penetrate mass market with these concepts. Yes. And for that, I'm really proud of. Yeah. The secret did it bigger after us, but the secret couldn't have been the secret if there wasn't the bleed. Right. Agreed. Right. And so the, and, and I don't mean to say that I somehow alone made all this happen, but we wouldn't be having this conversation probably without the bleep. Yeah. yeah. Because the bleep and people always say, people come to me all the time. We want to make a movie and we want to be exactly like the bleep. And I say, I, I, I can't recreate that. Right. I never can do that again because what was going on in consciousness at that time produced what the bleep yeah. 
created the space for it to come out and created the energy needed to carry it where it did so that humanity could begin to have these conversations. You know, it was a couple of years ago, it was like five years ago, I was driving down Santa Monica Boulevard and there's this huge billboard uh, promoting um, a Kabbalah center. Mm -hmm. And at the top of the billboard, it said, you create your reality. And I sat, looked at that billboard and I said, that billboard wouldn't exist if we hadn't made the billboard. <laughs> yeah, it's very, very fascinating. I remember thinking a few years ago, too, when you and I first started to really become friends after we'd connected a few times, how it, it is interesting how life unfolds and these realities we're creating. Because like I said, I saw this film about 10 years ago when it first came out in school and we didn't we didn't really connect until a few years back and we've become friends since and um and then i was just out at uh you know what was it celebrate your life in phoenix and that was really cool for me because joe your your friend joe dispenza was there and out of everyone in the film his work and what he had to say just you know, really resonated the most with me. There's a lot of other great stuff, but I went on to buy his books and, you know, read and read and read them and highlighted and bunny-eared the pages. And right. um, and then, you know, all these years later, like there I was like presenting at a conference, let alone like hanging out on them. But how weird is life? You know, 10 years ago, I'm just some kid in a classroom and I'm still just like kind of the same and different in a way, but it's like how trippy life is and that I can see like the unfolding process. And thanks to you know, bleep was one of the first things in my path that really opened me up to a lot of different things and interests in spirituality and, and science and the correlations and where they don't connect. And, um, anyway, so thanks. Nice work. Way to go. <laughs> <laughs> High five. It's really funny. Um, somebody recently tried, um, how do I put this without offending it doesn't even matter. It was interesting. Somebody once said to me, well, you know, you've only ever made one really good movie. And it was funny to fit, if, it fit into a part of my overachieving story, you know, that I have to be this overachiever. And I thought, said to myself, and I said back to them, well, at least I made one, you know? Yes. So I guess I could die now and at least I've contributed something <laughs> to the planet, right? Well, um, I, of course, that's not my nature because I have to do more, which is why I keep doing what I'm doing. But, you know, I'm glad I'm really listen. What the bleep changed my life forever. Yeah. And I learned so much about it. And so when people the other day, I, I was at um, filming for my uh, the movie that I'm doing now and I was at a rehab facility yeah. um, and a kid came up to me and was talking to the guy. and He goes, you remember that movie, What the Bleep? And the kid like almost started to cry and. He said, well, she made it. And he like literally hugged me and sobbed. That's and, incredible. you know, and, and, you know, me, I'm like not a touchy person and I'm like, you know, and, but I, he started to tell me how it changed his life. And I looked back at him and I said, you know, it changed my life too. And that was where the connection was. It wasn't that I was somehow better than because I made this movie and I was cool. What was cool, what was the connection was that he and I had this moment where we could say, wow, that was a life changing moment for me and, and we're connected there as humans. Yes. That's beautiful. Um, so, and I've seen some of your other films, so I wouldn't agree with that statement. Maybe I'm biased because we're friends, but you know, I, <laughs> I like documentaries and if it sucks, it sucks, but I've liked the, I think almost everything I've seen from you. So just, I try to deliver quality work. Yeah. 
<laughs> I attempt. I, I think you do a good job with it. And speaking of quality work, all right, let's talk about your new book, which I have not read. But what I did want to do before we get into it, because first of all, one of the greatest titles I've ever heard. It came out of my vagina. Now what? It came out of my vagina. Now what? Love, and not only that, but the book cover, it's like a B horror movie looking book I know, cover, which I love that too. Awesome. Before we read it, read it I did grab um, a brief synopsis of it from your okay. publisher. So I'm going to read that just to set the stage okay. and then we'll get into it. So it reads, if you're looking for the definitive book on parenting, this isn't it. It is a hilarious and honest look at parenting from a group of moms who've been there, done that. Pick it up after a hard mommy day or give it to a new mom. It will make you laugh, cry, and nod, nod your head in agreement. But most importantly, it will remind you that being a mom is one of the hardest and most rewarding life experiences you will ever have. I'm not a mom, but you know, <laughs> living with my wife now for several years and looking at the life of my mom and what I put her through, I yes, yes, I, I could imagine. So let's talk about the book. Um, What, I mean, obviously, I, I guess you being a mom inspired it, but, but really what gave you the idea and what, what got your creative juices flowing? And let's start. was, I was actually asked a long time after chipping Saint good cows came out to write a parenting book. And I thought that was really funny. Cause I always say to myself, like, I'm probably the worst mother on the planet where right? I'm amazed <laughs> that my children are still alive. And, um, so it just felt weird to me. And what ha- oftentimes happens, I think is that, you know, we try to get pushed into a direction. And clearly, I did not see myself as a parenting expert. And I remembered having experiences as a new mom reading some of these parenting books and feeling horrible about myself. There's a a story where I I think I say this in the book where, you know, Dr. Sears or Dr. Spock or whoever one of those books is, you know, they, they list milestones your child's supposed to be hitting, right? And you know, my daughter was eight months old and she wasn't rolling over, I think is what it was. And I started to think, oh my God, this was right. It's a sort of heat of the autism scare thing where everybody was like, everybody, baby, every baby that doesn't do this at this time has autism and all the stuff. Mm. And so I was in a panic and I remember calling my mom and saying, oh my God, this is happening and she's not doing this and she's not doing this and she should have been doing this and she should have done that. And my mom was like, where, where are you? Cause when my mom was a mom, when I was a baby, they didn't have like these kind of parenting books. Yeah. Um, you know, and so my mom said, where are you getting all this from? And I was said, well, this book and that book. And my mom says to me, listen, I hate to break it to you. You got to sit down. I'm going to tell you the truth now. And I was like, oh, my God. And she said, Alora, my daughter's name is Alora. Yeah. She said, Alora hasn't read that book. And it was, you know, I can, my mom and I have a very interesting love-hate relationship right now, as, as a lot of mothers and daughters do. But I'm so grateful for my mom in that moment. Because she taught me what I think is the most important parenting tip you will ever have, which is that that is a ch- that is a being of its on their own, and they're going to do what they do. And your job is not to force them to fit into that box. Mm-hmm. Your job is to follow them as they create their own box. Mm. Or I don't like the idea of creating a box, but you know what I mean. I in their own life, and what. I wanted to write this book. My, my friend, really dear friend, Debbie, who wrote it with me, she's a great mom. She's got two adult kids and she's always been, I've known her for almost my entire adult life. And she's always been that way too. And we realized that there were so many parenting books and parenting how to's and you should be doing this and you should be doing that, that a lot of moms just don't feel good enough. Right. And, 
we just wanted to write a book that would give moms permission to know that they're great. That's and so great. that's why we wrote the book that we did. So, and the book is yeah. funny. I think it's, there's a lot of, there's other moms in the book talking about, you know, a range of topics. Yeah. So, well, I'm, I, I'm sure it's funny if you were involved with it because that's just how you are. And that's awesome. Um, is it for new parents, parents of adults? As, it's, it's for any mother. It's for any mom. I mean, you know, Debbie, when we were writing it, you know, she's a grandma. Okay. Yeah. You know, and it, she, it, I had written a chapter and she said, I'm so glad you wrote that chapter. I really needed to read that today. And, you know, so it's really, I think, you know, we write it for moms because we say it came out of my vagina, but technically dads could read it too. Yeah. It, 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 it's, it, I, I don't like to say it's for anybody. Clearly you probably should have a child in your life if you, if you want to read sure, it. Sure, right, right. That's helpful. But, um, but I think that, you know, it, it doesn't matter whether it's new or old, you know? Yeah. Well, that's great. I asked because I, I think I'll get it from my mom. Um, oh. I love my mom to death. One thing I know she still carries a lot of guilt, you know, because as I mentioned earlier, like I've been through hell and back with my own addiction and almost dying. And and I and I have my guilt, you know, for putting my parents through that. But I know my mom has expressed a lot and I'm sure my dad feels the same. But if I had it to do over again, you know, I would do sure. it differently. And I try to tell her that I am alive. You know, I, I made it. Um but more importantly, it was all of that shit that I had to go through that made me the person I am today. And I don't say that to say, look at me, I'm some amazing person, but it brought me to the place where I'm at today and where I can be of service. I'm alive. I, I've made it through that and I still have struggles from time to time, but you know, here I am and, and showing up and helping others. So, right. you know, and you know what, that's the thing. It's like a really good friend of mine who's a mom is going through hell with their teenager right now. Yeah. And she's a really good mom. Uh, and her teenager's being an asshole. Yeah. Because a lot of teenagers turn into assholes. Because yeah. typically what we're supposed to do when we're teenagers is turn into assholes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's, our, that's, our, that's our one chance to be a total <laughs> asshole. And hopefully live through it. And if we do, then we get to then, then we're, we should learn at some point that, oh, that was me being an asshole. I've learned some lessons. But, you know, I was talking with her and she's you're going through that feeling. What did I do wrong? And I can sit here right now and tell you that every day I, do, I fuck up with my kids. Yeah. Every day. You know, I was in the grocery store with my kids a couple of weeks ago. And for me, like, I don't like grocery stores either. Like, I want to get in and out. I want to just be done, right? And they were just doing something. And I turned around to them and I said, are you fucking kidding me? For real? Like, you're doing this now? And, uh, like, in the middle of the grocery store, right? And, like, people turn around and look but the truth is I went back and then I beat myself up because I was embarrassed but the truth is I went back later and I said no you know that was an awesome mom thing to do because you know what I turned around and shocked them out of their ridiculous asshole child behavior because kids are assholes too like they're just little fuckers and they just want to mess with you and they just they all they want to do is torture us and so every once in a while you have to stop and go are you fucking kidding me like really think about your behavior right now and ask yourself is this okay because like for real and and what's funny is when I do that with my kids some people, you know, look in shock and horror that I said that to them. But the truth is, I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to teach them is, you know, take responsibility for your behavior. Yeah. You can, you can do whatever you want, but just be responsible for it. And then, you know what? There's a crazy thing. Think a little bit about, okay, is this okay? It might be okay for me, but is it okay for the people around me? <laughs> well, there's, we, we've been, I have, you know, part of me 
and this is not really in the book. It is a little bit. You know, the, it's like we, we went one direction with raising our kids, which is, you know, now we want to tell them they can be anything because that's a nice thing to say. Yeah. And it's true. Yes, you can be anything. But it's almost as like we've kind of given our kids too much permission. Mm. Like we never want to say no to them. You know, so the trick, at least that I'm trying to impart on my kids is two things. One, emotional intelligence. We never teach emotional. We never learned it. You never learned it. I never learned it. The reason why we went through the shit that we went through in our lives is because nobody taught us how to deal with our emotions. They taught us how to mask them, hide them, be afraid of them, be ashamed of them, and not talk about them. So we we have to be real and teach our kids how to deal with our emotions. And the other thing that I want my kids to learn is that, you know what? They're responsible for their lives. Yeah. And, and I'm here to feed them, clothe them, and guide them. I'm, my job is not to make them into anything. Their job is to grow into who they want to be. Mm. And, and they can't do that if they don't even know what that means. They can't do that if they don't know that there's a self. They can't do that if they can't process their emotions. Yeah. They can do what we do, which is run the program and spend thousands and thousands of dollars on self-help because right. we want to figure out what the fuck we did. <laughs> and so it's a, the book is a little bit about conscious parenting, which is kind of what that, what I just kind of said is, you know, very loosely around is the right. idea of, of being, you know, a conscious parent. Yeah. Well, I love it. And I, like I said, I'm certainly going to grab a copy for my mom and I am sure that I will pick it up myself and thumb through it and see what it has to say, what I can take away from it. I'm going to send, you send me your mom's address. I'm going to send her a signed one for me and tell her, thank you for being such an awesome mom because you created Chris Grosso. Wow. My mom will love that and I will appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> That'll make up for a few of the years of hell I put her through. I appreciate it. Um, so I, yes, I will send you the address afterwards. Um, well, the, book about, the book is about being able to take, um, I, do, I was just saying that's the that's the whole point of the book is for me being able to for other moms to be able to go to moms and say you're you're amazing like women in general there's a shift happening in the world right now uh, you know where I think women are I don't want to say getting their power back because it it it's weird but but there for a long time there was this divide and conquer mentality around women. Mm. And I think that's changing. I'm really glad. I hope it's changing. It feels like it's changing. And I feel like women are being more supportive of each other and really realizing that we, that we have to unite and connect. And so this is one way that I'm doing that is that, you know, moms can be real competitive and can be real judgmental. And so for me, I want to be the mom that says, you're an awesome mom. Oh my God, you're so great. Look at what you do. And, and just honor other moms because most of the time we're sitting around feeling afraid and judged and embarrassed and horrible parents, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So well said. Well, much respect to you for stepping up and owning that role because I'm sure we could use more of it in the world. So that's awesome. So, I mean, we're, we're just about out of time. Was there, I mean, first of all, your website, BetsyChassie.net, that's C-H-A-S-S-E, Dot net, correct. I'll have the links up on the website for so for the audience they can just click on it easy enough. But is there anything uh, we didn't cover? Anything you want to share before we I do? Wrap share this up? One quick thing. I'm yeah. making this movie leap. Yes. You go to coachingmovie.com or to my website and um, 
click and watch the trailer. It won't be out for a year, but I really want everybody to watch the trailer or you can go onto my Facebook page. It's Betsy Chassie and you can find the link there. I'm really proud. This is a really going to be a cool movie because I think what's cool about coaching is where, you know, a lot of personal development and self-help can be really kind of put into a more spiritual category. I think coaching is a bridge to opening up possibilities for people that maybe wouldn't necessarily look at it because it's too spiritual. And I think that, you know, people are looking for meaning and purpose in their lives more than they ever have. You know, humanity is we're looking, we're starting to self reflect and what people will see in the film is that good coaching is a great doorway to helping you find that purpose and meaning. Well, it sounds great. I, you know, I look forward to seeing it. I'll put a link up to the trailer as well and we'll get it around, but, uh, Awesome. I uh, will the skydiving footage maybe be on any of the added bonus features or is that Are my skydiving yeah. footage? You know what? I think my skydiving is on you know what? I'll tell you what. Yeah. I'm gonna find my skydiving footage and post it on my Facebook page. I, 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 I maybe with the editor actually. I'll have to see if he has it. But if I can find it, I'll put it up on my Facebook and you can see oh, me be... screaming like a crazy <laughs> woman as I leap out of a plane. Well, I love the pictures I saw. So yes, if you can find that video, that would be great. Hey, as a side note, yes. you know what you should try What's just up? for fun? Yes. Have you ever heard of they may not have it where you are yet, but I'm sure they've got something like it. It's called I Fly. Not familiar. It's 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 like skydiving, but you you go into a wind tunnel. Oh yeah, it's super fun. I do it with my kids, and you should try it. You should look around and try it. It's like what you you they you go into a wind tunnel, and they blow the air up and it lifts you up, and you literally get to fly. It's super See, fun. That is something more up my alley. Like I, I, I thought so. Yes. Okay. I will. And I know my wife and stepdaughter would love that. I fly. I'll see. Yes, if there's a comparable kind of thing around here. Cool. Thanks for the heads okay. up. All right, cool. All right, Thank Betsy. You so much, Thank you. <laughs> Lots of love to you and uh, continued success on all you're doing. It's wonderful work. And I will see you on or talk to you on Tuesday on my radio show, which is called Life Unscripted, which is on Voice America, by the way. That was the last thing I probably should plug. There we go. Perfect. And we'll link that <laughs> up too. So thanks, Betsy. Bye. Bye. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash BeHereNow today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash BeHereNow.